Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the first political party of 2020. This episode features Lucy Powell, Labour MP, and someone who's coordinating Labour Together's review of the 2019 election defeat. Labour Together is a group set up to try and unite uh, the factions, different factions within the Labour Party. Uh, And in this conversation, we talk about not only the review into the defeat, but also Labour Together and whether it's possible to unite these factions, whether it's desirable, um, and also just about what the Labour Party is and what it should be and where it's headed, um, as well as just some of the technical details about the parameters of uh, Labour Together's review, what it will and won't conclude, Um, not in terms of hard conclusions, but the sorts of conclusions it's... um, seeking to uh, to, to reach. Um, so this is obviously also the backdrop of this Labour leadership contest. It's fascinating in terms of the lessons that Labour may or may not learn from the defeat, the lessons that different people think it should learn, uh, which I think we all know what we mean. Some people may blame certain people, other people may blame others, internally and externally. Um, so that is... Uh, we, we we cover some of that in, in the conversation as well. Now, my next guest at the live political party on the Wednesday, the 29th of January, I'm delighted to announce, is Lisa Nandy, uh, who has just passed the threshold uh, to go through to the next round of the Labour leadership contest. Uh, she's standing against Keir Starmer and uh, Jess Phillips, amongst others. So on Wednesday, the 29th of January, my guest will be Lisa Nandy. I'll be announcing future guests soon. Now, the live shows of the political party have pretty much all sold out for the entire year. There are a handful of tickets left for September and for November, but January, February, March, April, May and October have all sold out. Now, some, which is brilliant, so thank you very much to everyone who's bought a ticket. There are sometimes late returns, so do check my Twitter feed and check the other Palace website and their Twitter feed. Even for the January one, sometimes on the day, a couple of tickets come up, so do always check, because I know that tickets sell out in advance, and that means a lot of people can't get tickets, but often on the day there's a way in. Uh, also, I'm on tour with my new show, Brexit uh, Pursued by a Bear, which is fully updated uh, since the Edinburgh Festival. I mean, so much has changed since then. Um, and I'm delighted that Richard Burgeon has been able to get on the ballot paper for the Labour Deputy Leadership Contest just in time for this tour. Um, it starts at the Salford Lowry on the 14th of January, which I think is today, so that might be a bit late for that. I've just added, by the way, a run at the Soho Theatre, which runs from the 20th to the 25th of January. There's a few tickets left for that. Um, uh, and then, on the 20th of February, crew. The 21st of February, Leicester. Uh, March the 5th, Darlington. March the 6th, Hexham. The 7th, Bedford. The 10th, London, South Bank. Uh, the 18th, Leeds. I uh, haven't been on tour in Leeds in years. So I'm delighted to be in Leeds on the 18th, um of March uh, at the uh, Hyde Park Book Club, the 19th, York, the 20th, Annick, I think it's pronounced, Playhouse, 22nd, South End, 23rd, Cambridge, uh, 27th, South Bank, London again, 29th, Brighton, I haven't played Brighton on tour for a while, 
Then in April, the second, Cardiff. Again, I haven't been to Cardiff for a while until the seventh, Newcastle. Always a, a, a great gig. The eighth, Glasgow. Again, always brilliant. Ninth. Uh, of April, first time gigging in Aberdeen, uh, so very excited about that. Tenth, the Chorley Little Theatre, which is a fantastic venue. The twelfth, Camberley. The seventeenth, Corby. The twenty-third, Shrewsbury. The twenty-eighth, Exeter. The thirtieth, Bristol. Always brilliant at the Tobacco Factory this time. Then into May, I'm doing Gloucester, London, Maidstone, Nottingham, Sheffield, Stafford. Uh, a few more London dates. Two nights in Edinburgh at the stand on the 30th and the 31st. Um, and that's where the tour will end. So uh, all tickets for those nights available at mattford.com slash live. Some of those uh, dates already on the verge of selling out. So do uh, get your tickets as soon as you can for the fully updated Brexit Pursuit by Bear, which includes that run at the Soho Theatre. That is quite enough self-promotion for now. I should leave you with the conversation I had with Lucy Powell. Delighted to be joined by Lucy Powell, who's chairing Labour Together. Well, I'm not... Uh, Is chairing the right word? Not chairing, no. We're, all, we're a collective. We're a collective. Of course, it's we're, a left wing. Yes, I, I we're a know. collective. We don't, we don't have hierarchy. <laughs> no. Um, that can be good. That can be bad. Um, so you're, you're doing a, a... What would you call it? An inquest into Labour's defeat? Well, no, it's because it's not really... What we what we want to try and avoid is a is a post mortem that's just about oh he he said this thing that then and she did that and we, you know this meeting over here didn't try and get a decision on this thing yeah. so we want to avoid that although lots of people have sort of come uh, forward with um, with their own kind of particular take on on some of the machinations that happened during the campaign no we we want to, this to be more. A, a kind of memo to the new leader, whoever that will be, yeah. about the extent of the challenge for Labour, how we got here, um, and some of the lessons, not just of this election, but uh, over the last uh, four election defeats, and then what that means for the future, crucially. So it, it's not the... Cause, because we're a, an outside body, so this isn't an organisational review like the NEC might commission of themselves, no. or... Um, usually there's you know there's a book written about the election and that that always has um, you know all the kind of uh, insider kind of detail about what happened in such a meeting on such a day so we're sort of seeking to avoid that but we are talking to all the defeated MPs and candidates in target seats we've had thousands and thousands of people already submit um, their points of view and, and their uh, experiences uh, on the online survey um, we're commissioning polling and focus groups and so on and um, and also looking at kind of academic work and uh, we're also looking at um, a theme of work around what happened in terms of uh, sharing stories and sharing ads online and the yes. kind of Facebook, YouTube sort of war that um, I think a lot of people feel that we were nowhere near. So in terms of Labour Together, you, you've been involved in it for a while now. Mm-hmm. Whose idea was it? Who set it up? It was set up um, a few years ago originally by Steve Reed, uh, MP, John Crudus. Uh, MP and uh, Lisa Nandy uh, MP and then there's a few other MPs that were sort of co-opted on board with that so trying to sort of bring together different um, factions different networks different sort of groupings in the Labour Party to kind of create a a space really where um, agreement can be found conversations can be had um so the other mps involved shabana mahmood um jim mcmahon um 
Bridget Phillipson, um, a whole host of, of different sort of MPs. But, but you know, they've done th- we've done things like hold meetings with um, m- Momentum and Progress and Labour First. And we've done a lot of kind of detailed sort of policy work around the big challenges for Labour going forward. Uh, we've done some uh, polling and focus group work over that time as well. So... This is probably the highest profile thing we've yeah. done. I mean, because it sort of took off uh, in the media when we <laughs> launched it as well. Um, but actually, a lot of our work has been building to exactly this kind of space because, you know, the, the sort of starting point with this review is that we don't want to put, all come into the room with our own kind of factional take on mm. what happened in the election to try and pin blame on the person that we wanted to pin blame on before it all sort of even started, but bring together people from all sorts. So we've got momentum involved, progress of Labour First involved, got trade unions, local government, uh, people from left, right of the party and none and um, all, all of that. So it should be, hopefully it'll be a good piece of work. It's probably the most factional Labour's been since the 1980s. Um, probably hence the reason it's been set up. I mean, is it worse now, do you think, than, than, it, than it was in the 80s in terms of having a progress momentum and all sorts of other groups? Is the Labour Party more divided than it's ever been? I think it has been, maybe, uh, certainly in my experience of, of the Labour Party. Um, although, you know, I remember uh, meetings as a teenager, meetings in my sort of 20s, that local Labour Party meetings that were that were very sort of... Um, robust shall we say and sort of challenging so I'm not sure I think maybe it's just it's more out in the open now you know than it that it was in the past but what I, I get a real sense sort of during this election campaign there was a real sort of coming together everyone was out knocking on doors you know wherever whichever wing or whatever kind of uh, had organized to get you there we all sort of went out and, and did that together and certainly since the election I think there's the the overwhelming desire of the vast majority of Labour members is that we sort of put an end to all that now and we sort of move on from that. So, um, yeah, I'm quite hopeful that um, we, we can we can begin to do that. I suppose people say this after the defeat, don't they? They say, oh, we've got to come together. But it's about what you come together around. And that's what that's where the divisions exist is people say well unity doesn't necessarily mean agreeing with Jeremy Corbyn for instance so the people saying they want people to come together aren't necessarily holding out an olive branch they're saying it's either time for you to get behind what we believe in or it's time for you to leave well there's definitely people on both edges uh perhaps you know will will kind of sort of stay in their positions but I think the vast majority of people in the middle and I think you know that's what our the work that we're trying to do in the commission, the spirit of that, because it's not just about the kind of conclusions that we come to at the end, but the way in which we've arrived at them um, and, uh, you know, creating that space where everything is on the table and we can really kind of look at it in a more objective way and kind of debate and, and discuss that and come to an agreement about that which and I think that's the thing it's not that we're all always going to agree uh, of course not you wouldn't expect that in any sort of political party but how do you um, how do you discuss and debate those those disagreements and how do you sort of bring them to, to some kind of conclusion I think is the thing that I think people do want to turn away from now but isn't there a danger that in trying to keep everyone happy and and trying to reach out across the movement and maybe reach conclusions that people in momentum and progress would both be happy with that actually you're going to miss the point about why labor lost and the truths are really hard and unless the party can listen to what the public are telling them that after the worst defeat since 35 
that if you have this kind of, oh, well, it was partly this, partly that, and you don't say, Jeremy Corbyn wasn't good enough, the Brexit policy was ludicrous, people didn't want this wish list of policies, and you try and reach a conclusion that momentum, people say, oh, we can sort of live with that, that you miss the point of why Labour lost at all. Well, that is the challenge, obviously. Um, but I think... I think what's happened already, actually, is an over, oversimplification the other way. Um, so lack of appreciation that some of these things are more deep-rooted and more challenging. Yes, people said on the doorstep, Jeremy Corbyn, of course, he came up, he came up a lot, lot on the doorstep. But what, what did people kind of mean by that? And how had they arrived at those sort of conclusions is, is, is interesting to me. Because yes. I think, you know, I went round... Um, I did most of my campaigning in the election campaign I did in seats that weren't my own because I'm in a fortunate position with, with the seat that I had and I, you know my constituents want a Labour government and all of that sort of stuff so I went to many of the seats that we ended up losing Crewe and Nantwich both the Stoke seats um, Lee Haywood and Middleton uh, the Blackpool seats um, Weaver Vale both the Berry seats I mean all those seats I spent you know, decent amount of time in knocking on doors. So I'm sort of well aware of what was being said on the doorstep. But when people said Jeremy Corbyn, I think for some of them, there were things like they would say, because he's an IRA sympathiser. Now, where's that come from? And I think that takes you to that point of the sort of dark ads kind of campaign, because there was definitely, I mean, where would people form that view from? Um, it seems a kind of strange thing. But then you know, separate to that, I think what they also were expressing was a dissatisfaction with our Brexit policy, a dissatisfaction with the Labour Party having moved far from them um, over time. And Jeremy, you know, was the person that symbolised that at this at this moment in time. Uh, people w would express that because um, in that area, um, in their community, Labour has been the political establishment for decades yes and so they want change and so an expression of that was being anti-labor weirdly you know so i think there's you could oversimplify these things and yeah i mean obviously the getting brexit done particularly in the sort of northern heartland seats where i spent a lot of my time um that was a that was a sort of disaster now you know but but one one wing of the party don't want it to be that at all and the other wing of the party only wants it to be that so um you know we're not gonna we're not gonna shirk the sort of difficult questions but we're gonna find a way and use the evidence that's there to to take us to some of that but in a in a much deeper and more profound way that can actually help in the future because honestly i think there are some people in the labor party who think right well we're changing leader now brexit's going to be done you know wham bam thank you man we'll be you know we'll be home and dry at the next election and i think they would be wrong you know i really do i think that you know I, I, there's no saying we haven't got further to fall um and, and unless we see some of those warning signs for what they really are then then we're, we're not going to succeed is one of the warning signs the influence of groups like momentum and obviously they're different to militant but when you look at the history of the labor party with the with the problems it had having to expel the hard left and the work that michael foot and neil kinnock had to do and really confronting some of those hard left figures and, and prescribing them in terms of the labor party rules to pave that path to power doesn't Labour have to do the same thing now and say actually this this has been a terrible influence on the direction of the labor party they came in from outside they took us over and unless we confront that 
momentum element and drive it out, we stand no chance of winning at all. Well, I know some some people think that. I've come across some members who think that themselves, but I, I don't. I don't actually agree with that. I think you know most members that I know who are in momentum and they're they're. In, Momentum takes very lots of very different forms, yes. actually, partly depending on ge- geography and, and other things. Um, you know, I think the vast majority of members of, of Momentum you know, are, are idealistic people who joined the Labour Party you know, at, at a particular time. But, and, and yes, inspired by Jeremy, but you know, their, their reasons for joining the Labour Party are probably almost entirely the same reasons that I joined the Labour Party or... Or, or anybody else I think I think what there's been some manifestations of things and I wouldn't lay this all on the door of one you know of momentum or or, or, or anyone else um, I, I think what we've one of the things I think we've probably lacked but I mean let's I don't want to you know predetermine what we'll find here is a kind of um, a lack of leadership sort of in, the, in that in the, in the way I see what leadership is so you know, Jeremy is um, somebody I think of. Of uh, you know, he's got real principles. He's a, he's a really good person. Um, I think uh, you know he's he mean he he he's his values and his sort of principles are very sort of deep rooted in him, um, and that's what inspired people to join the Labour Party. We've now got 550,000 or something members of the Labour Party, and you can't kind of under, understate that. I think what he what he probably did, well, yeah, what he didn't have so well um, were, were, were leadership qualities. Um, and what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, setting a, a strategy, you're kind of thinking through a strategy go forward and then being able to kind of bring everybody on board with that and lead people through difficult times and good times to kind of take you towards a sort of common objective. And I think some of the things that we've encountered about factionalism and infighting and so on, have come because there's because maybe um you know that's not been that's that, that it's been operating in a in a kind of situation where everybody else is sort of trying to fill that vacuum with momentum then do you think they're essentially well-meaning people who are good left-wing folk who joined with the best of intentions that may be true of the members but in terms of the leadership they're organised, their members do follow effectively a, a whip. When they're told to vote for people like Pete Willsman, they'll put them on the NEC. That has a profound effect on the power within the Labour Party and the direction of the party. That element of it is, is problematic for the moderates in the party, surely. Well, look, I mean, yeah, the, the, there's, I think there's been... I mean, there's been lots of problems for moderates in the <laughs> Labour Party, uh, some of it of, 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 of our own making um, and some of it not. You know, I mean, we, we were very wrong uh, you know with <laughs> I've said this many times but I think we, we made a big big mistake you know doing the whole kind of collective resignations and and vote of no confidence and all of that um, against Jeremy at, at the time and some of the things that happened after that you know we, we kind of only have ourselves to blame for in a way because we sort that, of misread because I think well we in the end, it had exactly the opposite effect. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it was wrong in terms of desired outcomes at the time, but I think it was also, it, it, it was a very divisive thing to do. It sort of really pitted um, the, the, the parliamentary Labour Party as being on the opposite side of most of the members of the Labour Party. And, you know, and, and that, it, that was a very sort of difficult time and, and, and it created... A bigger atmosphere of of division in the party at that time, 
um, and some things kind of came from that. So, you know, I don't think anyone can really, I, I really honestly think that no nobody's um, got the monopoly on being right about everything um, over no, the last few years. That was the only power you had left, wasn't it? To, to try and affect something that you, you had a leader that, in the end, you were proved right. That The result in, in the election just a few months ago proves that you were right about his leadership and you just tried to do something about it. Yeah, but in the meantime, we had another election where, you know, he massively outperformed expectations. But, you know, I know, but I mean, you know, it was... I don't think, well, I mean, there might be a few last people sort of standing thinking that was the right thing to do, but I'm not one of them. And I don't think there are that many people that do because, um, as I say, you know, and I think this is, you know, this is where we, we kind of all need to reflect, you know, how is it you best affect change within a, within a, a democratic collective organisation? And it's your starting point, really, of the questions you're asking me. You know, do you just sort of stand there and say, no, I'm right about everything and those people over there are wrong about everything? Or do do we have a conversation and persuade each other and look at, you know, look at the evidence and talk to other people and, and, and actually find that for the most part, most of what we think about things, we actually agree on um, and move forward on that basis? Or, I mean, it might sound all kind of, hippie um but you know <laughs> I don't the hippies but um you know I say this to my own CLP quite a lot like if we if we all wrote down a list of the four reasons or four or five reasons why we joined the Labour Party nearly everybody in the room would probably have the same reasons yeah we might have been motivated to join by a certain leader or a different leader or we might have been motivated to join by an election result here or there or whatever um but the kind of values and that the reasons that motivate us to actually join the Labour Party would all largely be the same yeah, we spend ages just focusing on the things that we don't have in common. Um, but then you, you were in a situation where the constitution of the Labour Party had changed, the, the Electoral College had been removed, so the unions don't have the same sort of influence over the leadership anymore, the thresholds have been changed for nominations. You then are left with the only form of protest you had left, and, and the people you're protesting against are people who've only just joined. This was a takeover and you tried to stop it. It would be a well, sympathetic view, perhaps. Well, I know, I'm not, you know, it's not a takeover when, like, hundreds of thousands of people decide to join the Labour Party, it's a is bit, it? Of well, no, I don't, you know, but, you, you, I mean, the funny thing is, is we've now had, what, we've probably had another 50,000 people join the Labour Party in, in, in the last few weeks since, since the election. Um, and I think most of them are motivated by making the Labour Party, you know, be electable and getting to a point where we can where we can win elections again. So, you know, th- these things sort of come in waves, don't they? So mm. I, I'm, I can imagine some some of my uh, members who joined four years ago who sort of came along and tried to oust somebody at an AGM will now, you know, be a bit aggrieved at some new young upstarts doing exactly the same back to them um, in, 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 in upcoming meetings. But, you know, I think... I, I do. I do think we 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 didn't take a long enough view on that as the parliamentary Labour Party, and we and we got that wrong. We played that wrong. We kind of thought, you know, we could say, well, we don't like it, so it doesn't matter what any of you think. We're going to take this course of action, uh, like it or lump it, and then we sort of wonder why, you know, we were kind of have been so sort of loathed amongst the membership for two or three years after that point. 
It feels like the tone within the Labour Party has been very severe, uh, on all sides perhaps. Some people would say that there have been worse offenders than, uh, than others. I mean, do you think that played any part in the defeat? Do you think sometimes the behaviour of Labour supporters online has actually driven people away from wanting to vote Labour? I don't think so. I mean, I've heard that and I've seen people sort of saying that. But I think I think probably what the election showed is that what we all get up to on Twitter matters for absolutely, you know, jack shit, basically, really, doesn't it? And, and we sort of obsess, you know, we were, oh, there's a youth quake. Oh, it's all going to be great. It's like, oh, no, there isn't actually. There's an older people quake and it's not going to be that great, you know. But so I think some of the conversations we get involved in on Twitter, um, you know, that that wasn't you know th- th- these are not our, our challenges i mean as, as i said before i i went to many many of the seats that we ended up kind of losing and um did lots and lots of sort of door knocking with big teams from manchester we took we took all around and, and you know you could you could see it happening and the, and the people that we were talking to on the doorstep were generally older voters people who um owned their own home largely, uh, you know, modest homes. I mean, when you went to kind of estates that had a few bungalows and a few caravans in the drive and they were kind of, you know, you could see there were sort of semi-detached houses, homeowners, our heart would sink. We'd be like, oh God, we've we've got this T-shirt, you know, that a lot of them were former miners or former engineers and that kind of thing, had sort of small, modest private pensions who... 20 years ago, the entire estate would have been Labour. Yes. And you were, you know, you were lucky to find a single sort of Labour voter um, out knocking on those sorts of doors. I mean, the idea that they're they're listening to some kind of, you know, left-wing social media influencer on Twitter, um, I think is is completely for the birds. You know, they're forming an opinion, which I think they've been forming for, you know, this is, what, this is why I say we should tread carefully here because it's an opinion they've been forming for a while that Brexit catalyzed possibly Jeremy plus Brexit catalyzed even further um and uh and a desire to to you know want to end the kind of hiatus in parliament and all that sort of thing sort of all came together but it, you know they didn't just they had you know they maybe reluctantly voted labor in some of the previous elections, some hadn't. You know, these swings of these, some of these kind of trends have been coming yes. a while, but they were they were significantly catalysed in this election. Isn't there a danger with taking a longer view um, that actually it it absolves the blame of the of the current leadership and of the of the ideological direction of the party, of the of the nature of the tone of it all, of the policy perspectives that you say? Well, actually, this started under Tony Blair, so Tony, Gordon, Ed, and Jeremy are all equally culpable for what happened in this. No, election. but I think, but I think there's, the opposite is also true. I mean, um, you you've got to take a long view because you 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 can't you can't not. I mean, some of the people who will say, I mean, some of the people who've attacked this review the most are people who kind of want it all it all to just disappear with Jeremy and then let's go back to an era of sort of Tony Blair and everything will be everything will be fine I mean honestly that like and those same people were all the people um pushing really really hard for us to have a uber sort of second referendum pro remain position they want that to be nothing to do with it when that is I'm, I'm sorry, that is just not correct either. Um, 
And, you know, the world is different from, from that era. I mean, you know, the idea that if we had David Miliband as our leader at this election, we'd have, like, we'd have, we'd have won it. I'm sorry, I, I, someone needs to show me the evidence for that. Do you think Labour would have done better? We, we might have even done worse. Because would David Miliband have been in a, in a totally different place altogether on Brexit right from the beginning? But fears about security... Fears about competence of leadership. I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard. I mean, let's. I'm not. I. You know. I'm not. I don't want to kind of have any sort of. You know, major sort of conclusions about these things. But you know, tone like I joined the. No, I joined the Labour Party before. I joined the Labour Party under under Neil Kinnock. But obviously, I was an activist and a, you know, a really sort of keen young early 20s or something when Tony Blair came into office and you know it was absolutely amazing and we did really good things in office and all of that but that was you know that was then and and this is this is now you know that was before the global financial crash that was before MPs expenses that was before Brexit you know that was before all of these huge um national and global sort of changes that have happened in politics and the idea that all the answers to this lie in the past i just think is 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 wrong i think the lessons lie in the past recent past and you know further away past um but the answers lie in the in the future and and i think you know all sides need to recognize that and there is intransigence for me there's actually intransigence at both at both ends in the labor party but what new labor people will say is that point on the political compass is where Labour wins from, is being yeah, close the, to the centre, I, strong on security, strong on defence, strong on crime, strong on the economy, and Labour in the last few elections hasn't been there. Well, yeah, but I think the, the, the political ground has shifted quite a lot. You know, I think that was of an era where everybody had faith and trust in sort of trickle-down economics and that, you know, you can run an economy in a certain way, you can't, um, you can't challenge capitalism, that, that, you know, that all of that will, if we just fund, simply just fund public services and sort of give people um, a kind of uh, a stronger safety net through tax credits and so on, that the kind of rest will follow. Well, that didn't actually happen, did it? I mean, it needed to happen at that era. We needed to completely turn around public services and we needed to to address um, the worst aspects of child poverty and so on. But there's a whole other challenge that, that then followed that we, you know, we haven't had a, a prospectus for, which is um, on real display in somewhere like Lee or Middleton or Stoke or, you know, many of these crew, many of these sort of towns and places around the country that have you know, lost decent jobs, that have lost uh, self-worth, self-identity, that have, you know, have lost um, their high streets, lost, lose their young people, you know, because we, we didn't have a sort of place-based view of things. We didn't have a kind of, we were too afraid to be, uh, to have sort of state intervention on things and stuff like that. So, you know, I do think, I, I, I do think economically things have shifted significantly and um and what is that center ground you know what what do you mean by that because I don't think the 1990s sort of prescription of that um would either be politically successful or or sufficient for the challenges that we face today I mean you add in like climate change as well I mean that wasn't even an you know really an issue so much in in that, that era so you know just like 
Tony Blair and Gordon Brown and that whole New Labour era, you know, they didn't, the whole thing about New Labour was about reinventing yourself to be relevant in the, in the, in the current times. So if that's what you thought then, you know, keep off the telly now, will you? And just sort of back off. Do you know what I mean? You do, like, when was the last time Tony Blair or frankly, you know, David Miliband or most of the rest of them sort of were knocking out, knocking on doors in Lee or Doncaster or Ashfield or whatever. I don't really think they probably understand, you know, the, the, the anger and the frustration that people feel. Do you think Labour can win? from a position that is to the left of New Labour then? Do you think that Labour could win a general election if it shifted from that point on the compass? I, I, honestly, I just think the kind of... the that, that being the reference point is just... It's a 1990s reference point. We're now it's also in, a noughties. We won in 2005 from that position. Well, I say we, you, well, the Labour Party yeah. won in 2005. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that was, you know, a long time ago, as I say. A lot of things have changed since then. Um... Not, not least, you know, the the global financial crash and all of those things. So I don't, I, I think you 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 can't if if they are all your reference points, then I think you you won't succeed, and and you you would probably wouldn't deserve to succeed. I think we have to now start marking out the kind of fresh reference points, and things have changed, and people's desire for change have have. Are, are you know really different as I say you know if you only went by the kind of um playbook of that era you know you would be you would have to be well you know we, we're fully sort of pro-European we want to be it doesn't matter what people think about it doesn't matter what the public think and that's what people have been saying for the last two years you know I've fallen out with people in parliament over it who were saying, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my constituents think. You know, I think that they would be better off. And so I'm going to tell them that they would be better off uh, if we uh, if we can find a way of staying in and overturning the referendum, not, not understanding that kind of democratic um, angle at all and the, and, the, and the democratic outcry of that. So, I, you know, I just, I just don't think you can reference left... I think left and right has changed. I think... Um, you know, that you you sit alongside that kind of outward-looking, you know, internationalist, sort of metropolitan liberal versus, you know, sort of maybe small C kind of communitarian conservative, you know, but they would be left-wing economically, mm. but not, um, not socially. I mean, you know, I just think it's not... You can't define those things in terms of that era. In terms of patriotism... People say this has been a big problem for Labour, that it's perceived not to be that keen on the country it seeks to lead, that it doesn't feel comfortable with elements of British history, that um, it seems to blame Britain for a lot of the ills in the world rather than recognising that Britain has played good and bad parts in uh, in global history and, and has the opportunity to, to shape the world in a positive way. Do you think that's a fair charge, that Labour politicians feel uncomfortable about the Union Jack? Possibly, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, certainly think people felt that that's what we were. Whether it's a fair, whether it's a fair charge or not, but I think the perception was, of, of, uh, the perception has been of, of that, you know, for 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 a long time. And I think, um, but how you sort of reconcile, you know, some of those things. And obviously, Brexit is a 
you know, is the elephant in the room when it comes to that. How can you, I mean, Boris is finding already, isn't he, in the last few weeks, the challenge of um, how do you how do you have that global leadership role when you've got the begging bowl out at the same time, yes. you know? Um, so I think the challenge for Boris's government, let alone the Labour Party, is to work out what is going to be the role of Britain in a in a global context when we're not in the European Union and when we um, when we're a kind of smaller entity sort of out on our own buffeted by events a bit more and I think you know that is somewhere that I think you know the Labour Party could be sort of shaping that and defining that in a in a from a patriotic sort of standpoint but from a standpoint of you know we want to use that power that we've always had that influence that we've had um to to lead the world on issues like climate change or humanitarian crises or diplomatic um uh incidents like we've seen you know lately um and i think that's you know i don't think that needs to be at odds with our values at all if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you get the sense from colleagues, um, left, right, or centre of the party, that they they don't feel comfortable talking about Britishness or, or, or even worse for a lot of them, Englishness? Well, I mean, Liam, Liam Burns wrote, written a yes. lot about this, hasn't he? Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of the streams of work that we've done through Labour Together over, you know, over a long period of time. And, yeah, there probably is, you know, there is some truth in that. Um, I mean, maybe that's politicians all, all over, um, possibly. I don't, I don't know. It's always seem more comfortable with it. So well, what, I don't, what their view of Britishness is would yeah. be different to yours, but... Possibly, but I mean, I think their comfort has come from being on the side of people on the Brexit issue 
Uh, and I think that's been exacerbated for us the other way, um, you know, by 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 not being. And, and you know, we're going to have some difficult is- issues coming up the track on on you know immigration. Um, I think over over the coming two or three four years, um, and what's Labour's? How do we respond to what the government may or may not be doing on? Um, you know, we've got to the co- the country's got to come up with a new approach to immigration when we leave the EU. Um, and how's the Labour Party going to respond to that? And again, your reference points for that can't be, oh, well, you know, let's go back to the 1990s and look for the solutions there. Because let's be honest, we, you know, we, we, we had a, 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 you know, an incredibly open re- re- approach to, to immigration um, then, which you could argue led to the Brexit result in the first place and has, has led to some of these Would you argue that? issues. Well, you, yeah, I think you, you can argue that. Um, that, that our approach to EU mig- migration during the Labour government years, um, and you know, not having the, the the delays for new new entrants and all that kind of thing, of course, was a, a factor in the referendum result in the, in the first place. Um, so you know, these you got you, we we have to sort of carve these things out sort of carefully. You know, that that matches our values as being internationalist and being open um not being you know prejudiced in any way and all of that with you know how we how we sort of navigate this new sort of electoral challenge that we face which is a different one the challenge is is so severe now for labor to win the next election would would really be a political miracle it would be a bigger earthquake than 1997 or, or 1979 or when you think of the era defining elections that we've lived through it would be impossible for Labour to win next time, wouldn't it? I don't think it's impossible. I mean, it's certainly incredibly challenging, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we do have to collectively see this as a, you know, as a 10-year project. And if we arrive at our destination early, um, then then great. I mean, yeah, you know, obviously I was very worked very closely with Ed Miliband in the 2010-2015 election and I was talking to somebody about this the other day that it you know when you're fresh out of government you're new opposition you're trying to be a one-term only sort of opposition there's kind of the government are, are bringing in this this big kind of austerity agenda um which at that point has a lot of kind of public uh, satisfaction with because people feel that they need that austerity obviously that's changed significantly since then over over that over the 10 years but in that early phase when we were straight out of government the challenge was were we prepared to say we'd spent too much money you know um and all of that sort of thing which which we weren't because we, we didn't think we you know we didn't think we had it was a global financial sort of crash but you but when when you're trying when you're you're aim is to to win the very next election do you do you maybe have the time and space that you need to do some of the strategic heavy lifting that you need to do in order to to act you know because you are now further away from winning now in 2019 than we were in 2015 although that felt like a a sort of devastating blow so we've actually gone backwards over that 10 years is what i'm saying and what we what i think the next leader and the next leadership team need to be thinking about is let's make sure that we are 
you know, on, on the cusp of government or, um, or, or in a position to, f- to form a majority government in 10 years' time. And if we, if we arrive at that sooner and some of that sooner, then all well and good. But if our aim is, I think you make different decisions. If our aim is to think it's, it's, you know, it's all or bust at the next election, then as we've seen from 2015, you can end up with bust the election after, you know? Uh, as you say, you worked very closely with Ed Miliband. But when he was announced as part of this um, uh, review in the commission, there were some negative comments. Uh, well, I was going to say some negative comments on social media. Everyone gets negative comments yeah. on social media. Um, but do you understand why people say, well, you've, you brought in a, a Labour leader who lost an election. Wouldn't have you been better off getting a Labour leader that had won one? Well, we know what Tony Blair thinks, don't we? <laughs> but we know um, what Ed Miliband thinks. No, do we? I don't know that we do, actually, because I think Ed's been pretty good at, 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 at um, you know, keeping his, uh, you know, keeping his views to himself. He doesn't feel like he's the one who needs to sort of offer all those interventions. But I think, look, I think the big difference is two things. Firstly, Ed's still relevant to this debate. He's a current MP. He represents a seat in the North where there was a big swing away from Labour and he's you know lived that firsthand uh, in Doncaster since you know he was first elected when he was first elected that was seen as a rock solid you know tens of thousands sort of majority yeah. Labour seat and now he's got a majority of 2,000 so he's relevant to this conversation uh, more than most and yet alongside that unlike just you know any anybody else you know he he understands the challenges of leadership he understands the the, the challenges of the party and how you know how you marry the sort of the party um interests versus the kind of electorals or strategy um interests and i think he's a figure who can bring people together and actually i always think you kind of learn more from getting things wrong or from losing than you do from you know winning and everything going sort of plain sailing when 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 you're there so um but, but often people sort of don't give you that chance to sort of contribute. So, and the good thing about Ed as well is that he's he's seen as, um, with it, with the exception of a few um, who are not the hard left, by the way, but you know those who can sometimes be just as intransigent on the other side. Um, but apart from that, he's he's generally you know really well liked by members and um, and the Labour movement as a whole. So, yeah. I mean, if people don't like it, they can set up their own reviews. But, you know, we what's been amazing about this is um, we felt that there needed to be that kind of arm's length sort of objective, bring all the different kind of um, parts of this together with underpinned with some, you know, proper pieces of work. And we've had thousands and thousands of people um, filling out the survey. We've had hundreds of other people get in touch with us proactively uh members of staff uh you know senior current politicians shadow cabinet other end of the spectrum former mps um all sorts of people so you know we we feel we're filling a vacuum that nobody else has filled so you know if if somebody else wants to set up their own they can go off and do it i'm not going to criticize them for it but you so know. how do the mechanics of it work then? Who collates all this stuff? Who decides what you talk about at meetings and things? Well, we all do as collective commissioners. I think we've got about 
15 or so commissioners now something like that um from all the different parts of the party um we've got a great member of staff from uh, labor together um uh, hannah o'rourke who's brilliant and she'll she's a sort of secretariat if you like and we're, we'll be hopefully taking on um some other staff and we've got some other organizations who are working with us on pieces of work so uh, we've got a lot of the kind of um groovy digital sort of tech guys um who do kind of this sort of stuff um they'll be they're looking into you know what was really happening in terms of that impact of um not just the formal advertising but some of the dark ads and the shared material and how certain kind of things took hold that you know we we didn't really get to so we say dark ads what does that mean dark ads means that things that are being promoted but they don't have to be declared in the same way because they're not a formal like here's my little video of me candidating berry south and i'm going to pay for that to be seen by lots of constituents in berry south and so i've got to that's that has to now be uh, published and you have to kind of know about it. It has to, you have to say it's a political ad, etc. Dark ads are where um, stuff is, is being shared as though it's, as though it's a from a friend or from okay. from a group so it looks and organic but it looks organic but it actually has resources behind it to sort of get it off the ground and those resources would be non-party but sympathetic think yeah, tanks well, yeah, media groups yeah and some yeah sometimes kind of sort of arm's length yeah. uh to do with sort of political parties i mean it's a world that's very very unknown and opaque um so we're going to be looking at we're going to be looking at that um, as well. Um, we've got pollsters and academics who are sort of looking at the n- trends and number crunching for us and things. So, yeah, we've got our first meeting tomorrow, and we're going to be um, agreeing it. But it's all very cooperative and co-production. <laughs> we, we kind of ag- we've agreed stuff on the agenda and so on on a, a shared Google Doc uh, beforehand. It's all very kind of. Um, it's all very sort of, yeah, cooperative. Flat structure, flat management structure. Yeah. Is that is that a good thing? Yes, I think so, Do yeah. Do need one person to be in charge, say, actually, no, this no, is what we're doing? No, because, I mean, look, in, in, this, in that sense, you'll probably take it in turns sort of chairing meetings and yeah. things like that, but, you know, you do have to find a way to get people to actually agree to... Um, agree to, to, to move on and someone needs to, to take charge of that, but... The whole point is, is it's not sort of one person's uh, view, and and we've all got experience of that through things like select committee. You know, when yeah. you're on a select committee, you can still produce really punchy sort of evidence-based reports when you've got five Tory MPs and five Labour MPs sitting on a select committee, um, because what you do is you you, you know, and that, that's the approach that we've taken is that you over time you work through you, you know you hear the evidence, you're looking at the evidence together you're stress testing that you're questioning this that and the other over a, a period of time so the the conclusions and the kind of direction of travel on some things just become sort of self-evident so then they're not that hard to agree to at the end and do you have a timetable for when you want to publish your findings yeah we're probably sort of towards the end of the leadership um we we, we don't want this to be seen as a we and we don't want it to to be um something that kind of shapes the race we want this to shape what the next leader does rather than shape the race i think that wouldn't be that helpful because it might get discredited along the way somebody might be able to say oh well i'm not going to 
read that report because I've, I've, I've seen one of its conclusions and I think that's entirely written just to help Becky uh, become yeah. leader or entirely written just to help Keir become leader or whatever. So um, so sort of towards the end of the contest. But before before the contest finishes? Before the leader's in place, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and just in terms of the people you have on the commission, I mean, how do you pick the people that you have on? Uh, well... Some people have come, so some organisations are sort of um, kind of nominated. So, um, you know, Momentum were kind of like, can we have this, you know, this, uh, these sort of people, Labour First and Progress are like suggested a couple of people. The local government association between them, they suggested one person. Um, and that, that sort of, you know, that kind of way is how some of it, some of it's evolved because out of the MPs that were involved in Labour together and when we came together and um, uh, sort of after the election to to agree to do this piece of work, it was those of us who were not going to be actively involved in a leadership campaign. So, so obviously, you know, some Labour together MPs um, just wanted to get straight into the kind of leadership contest. So um, that kind of left really me and Shabana as the, as, the, as the main two from Labour together. But there's no one you said no to? No, not really, no. And if, no. A, and if a sort of Labour-friendly group said, oh, we'd like to be part of this, you'd be open to that? Or? Yeah, and, and quite a few. I mean, um, Open Labour and the Fabians, you know, they're producing some of their own work as well. Um, we've asked them if, you know, they could, that, that the piece of work they're producing could form sort of submissions into ours and things like that. So, yeah, we're trying to be very open, as <laughs> But, you know, what's interesting already is that, you know, people people are not coming at this from a sort of point of view. Of, I'm only going to be involved if you don't say this or if it's not that or if you're not, you know. That's good. But equally, you know, there's no point There's no point blaming things on individuals or, or whatever. But people have to take responsibility. Yeah, and, and you know, and they're, they're doing that. You know, Jeremy's stood down as leader. Um, so so was, so was John McDonnell and... Uh, you know, people are taking responsibility. That's not that's not the job that we're. You know, we, we've not set ourselves up to be a sort of an accountability piece of work. We've set ourselves up so that we can um, more quickly than might otherwise be the case um, address some of the reasons why we got to this point, so that we can um, move move forward. The Labour Party is, um, and all political parties are quite strange groups of people. Um, Speak for yourself. Well, yeah, well, I was, well, I was a member of the Labour Party for a long time, and it, it kind of, even in the period when Labour was winning, Labour members, I always felt you had to be quite gentle with them. You know, you couldn't tell them hard truths. You had to kind of, not pussyfoot around, but you had to be quite gentle with people. People feel very emotionally about the Labour Party. And in terms of the mainstream parties in the UK, it's probably the most emotional group of people i don't know about that don't you think i, I, I think that, that it's and i mean that and that's a positive and a, and a negative but it kind of romanticizes its own history in a way that is is very important it gives people a sense of a, a movement and of a struggle but it also you know singing the red flag and things like that sometimes you think is this a movement that is just because it's so in love with its own history is kind of slightly distracted from what a political party should be. It's, it's not entirely focused on winning. There's this romance, almost, a lot of the time, of defeat. Oh, I wouldn't go as far as that. <laughs> I think you're being a bit mean there. Maybe. Um, 
Well, look, I mean, you know, we, we've, we've got huge, huge number of, of members now, like massive. Um, so, I mean, that, that's got to be a good thing. Um, but it hasn't helped. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know that you can necessarily sort of say that. Um, I don't know you can sort of pin pin the blame on that. I mean, we, we you know, we have a lot of... We do have a lot of members, and yes, they are passionate and, um, you know, I might argue sort of more altruistic than, than others and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, the num- the sheer numbers of people we had out campaigning in this election was, was in- incredible. Now, were they doing the right things in the right places and all of that sort of stuff? You know, that, they're, they're some of the things we will be looking at. Um, but I, I think in terms of that, the kind of, people on the ground a sort of people powered um side of it i think you know is something pretty amazing that just maybe needs harnessing a bit more in 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 the in the right direction um i'm not sure going back to sort of being you know a much much smaller membership organization is is desired really i think you should be trying to get more and more people to join shouldn't you well, I guess so. I mean, the, the first thing should be trying to win an election, surely, and then everything flows from that. Well, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I really don't think there are many members of the Labour Party who actively don't want to win an, <laughs> don't want to win an election. Um, I think we just have, you know, people have different experiences and different understandings about sort of what it what it takes, and and you know, and and in an age of social media which is now I mean again we were talking earlier about the sort of 1990s era and looking there for all the answers I mean you know people weren't connected in the same way then were they we didn't have social media at all and you know the the challenge of echo chambers and sort of social norms and social bubbles which has given you know in part has given not given rise to necessarily but certainly um, normalized things like anti-semitism and sort of world views that are, um, are, are, are deeply unhelpful and wrong. And I think, you know, I, I think I think one of the things I've been struck by since this election, partly borne out from people going out campaigning themselves and sort of partly borne out by the result being so far removed from what they want is, a, is, a, is an understanding that maybe that, you know, us in our own kind of social and workplace sort of worlds have got you know just do not understand half the country mm. you know um and i think uh, i think there's a desire to to sort of be more in touch with that um on anti-semitism that's not something that is highlighted in the in the questionnaire it's not really given as an option it's for people to write in should they wish was that a deliberate decision well it, we didn't what we didn't want to do with the questionnaire was have sort of tick box sort of leading leading answers the the questions are um designed to be open questions um a lot of i mean as i say we've had thousands of responses already a lot of people have mentioned that um people have mentioned you know other issues as well and we can we can see that you can we can we can um do sort of textual um, data analysis as well as obviously reading through the responses um, ourselves too to see what's given rise about that. So yeah, there've been some kind of people saying, oh, we, you know, the 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 survey should have had 
kind of do you think it's x y or z tick all that apply type thing but we didn't we didn't want to do that because we wanted to for people to to write in their own answers really from quite an open point of view but um that's certainly come up already and was it something that came up on the doorstep when when you were out campaigning uh not yeah i mean yes it did um not as much as 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 other as Brexit and Jeremy and, yeah. and those sorts of things, um, but I think you know it's one of those it's one of those issues that I think um, meant that people had questions over leadership ability um, that that an issue like that wasn't able to be dealt with over a long period of time. And some of the messages that that Labour send out to the public. I was watching the Labour Party conference on Saturday. Well, I haven't been to the last couple, but when everyone it seemed everyone was waving a Palestinian flag at one point, and I think it's weird when the Tories all wave Union Jacks, and I'm a patriot, but I just think it looks a bit strange. Waving another country's flag looks even stranger. I mean, is that something that, um, as a Labour MP, you look at and think we've got to stop stuff like that? That just makes us look completely detached. Well, I do think we have to look at conference sort of more generally because, of course, with this election conference was much closer to it um than it would normally be um but really you know especially when you're in opposition um conference is the one time of the year that you have a chance to um to cut through with a with the public a, 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 as a whole and to, to sort of get your message across so um yeah we we i think rightly we we want to hear from we want to be a kind of member um sort of led organization where we're a democratic organization and 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 people have um have the right to sort of bring that through but is a sort of motion led you know where and then i think there's quite a lot of dissatisfaction with the sort of motion led thing where it's kind of one person's words that then in the back room sort of get carved up with another person's words and then all of a sudden you're sort of voting on it and then it's on national telly like is that is is that the way to to sort of really um, show of hands seems a really sort of for, odd way for, for a, well not necessarily it's not the show government. of hands thing it's like how you arrive at that sort of form yeah. of words you know um it's not that's not very sort of co-productive is it composising yeah just and just the kind of i mean i always think that when it's at the clp as well you know there must be a sort of better way of of getting people's views um and you know and i'd like to hear i think we you know i think we it should be a kind of better way to sort of hear the view from the doorstep through our activists and members um and, and 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 make sure that sort of shapes but you know these are these are sort of way above my pay grade um kind of uh issues really but yeah i think i think giving conference giving conference a kind of big important sort of role in our internal democracy is a good thing but i'm not sure that kind of motions sort of you know one person's as i say one person's sort of form of words passed in a constituency meeting sort of finding its way all the way to sort of conference and put together with another person's form of words is really a strategic sort of and maybe true and real way of reflecting a kind of member-led organisation, really. In terms of the state of the Labour Party and, and 
you within it. I mean, if you think of the last few years, Labour had been tantalisingly close to government under Ed Miliband. You're someone who could have been in government, running a department, perhaps even been on the path to becoming Prime Minister yourself. And now you're a, you're a Labour MP in a, in a sort of rump in Parliament, further away from power than you've ever been in your lifetime. I mean, but <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to add to the fact that you're a City fan and it looks like Liverpool are going to win the Premier League as well. But in terms of... We can't win it every year. No, and you'll probably win everything else. Yeah, um, we, can't, we can't win it every year. But just from your own personal point of view, you know, you, you've come into politics to change the world and, and you're someone who could have been so prominent in a government and yet... Here you sit. I mean, is that personally dissatisfying for you? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's personally devastating when you lose elections. Um, it's it's awful, and to be here alongside all these sort of new—I don't even know who they are—you know, sort of gung ho, kind of really, really happy on their uppers, sort of Tory MPs, and who you know, then you suddenly find out they represent a seat that one of your friends you know, was the MP for until December, uh, November, you, you know, it's, yeah, that's, that, that's, you, you, you know, we, we're, as, as parliamentarians, you know, I suppose we're at the front line of, of seeing both here in Parliament what a Tory majority actually means, but then also with all the kind of problems and, and the issues that we have to deal with on behalf of our constituents, you see, you know, firsthand what, what that actually means and how, devastating that is um you know but i don't i'm not i'm i've not become an mp to sort of you know get the ministerial car and you know do all that sort of side of it either so i'm i i really enjoy kind of being a representative for people in, in manchester and taking on those issues i i feel very privileged to have the sort of platform that i have to express views and take on fights on behalf of people who perhaps don't have that platform or that voice to do so um and and actually being on the being on the back bench in a sense and um i think gives me and some of us you know more more of a long-term view and the ability to kind of look further on i mean when you're and i think this is going to be a real challenge for whoever becomes the new the new leader and the new shadow cabinet team you know, you, you can busy yourself in politics completely, and I think we're all guilty of that. You can busy yourself as an MP by, you know, every day there's sort of questions to ask and there's debates to lead and the stakeholders to meet. You can busy yourself as a CLP secretary or an activist, you know, sort of um, do, doing doing kind of knocking on doors, doing campaigning, but where is the space to sort of do the longer term thinking um, about a political strategy um, that could make sure we win an election whilst putting in practice our sort of values as a Labour Party. Someone's got to do that, and that's sort of part of what my role and, and you know, doing this commission is, is all about trying to do, just have that kind of longer term, you know, horizon sort of looking kind of view rather than just sort of busying myself I could you know I could have busied myself immediately sort of getting involved in someone's leadership campaign or um you know busied myself with, with you know being effective opposition and all that sort of stuff but um I think that would have entirely missed the point and I think we, we've got to be careful we don't keep missing the point and I think yes. that's where you were asking about earlier like you know 
we're all very emotional we all sort of get attached and we sort of entirely missing the point of what we're here to do and we've got to make sure we don't miss that point I mean, I, I suppose it's a more a point about the impotence of opposition. Do you ever think, as someone who wants to change the world, you come into public oh, service? It's, it's, yeah, it's Do you think, oh, I'd have been better off running a charity or well, I might yeah, go and work no, with yeah, yeah, I do sometimes, yeah. I mean, it is totally sort of, it can be. I mean, obviously you can get small victories and you can change things. I think I, f- I felt like we, you know, it was a, we were able to have more of an impact in the last parliament because it was a hung parliament. Mm. And so, of course, if you were able to sort of build, you know, even a relatively sort of small alliance on something, um, you, you could get you could get things changed. But it was just totally dominated by by Brexit. No, I mean, I didn't come into to politics to leave the EU, spend years and years <laughs> leaving the EU and and spend years and years, you know, in sort of futile opposition. No, no, absolutely not. But I have got an incredibly privileged um, position and I'm, I, I think I can help shape the future so that, you know, we, we, we can change the country for, for good and we can do that as a, as a you know, a force for, for good in the country through the Labour Party. So well, good luck I think it. I've still got some purpose. Oh, you've got loads of purpose. No, 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 I'm, no, I'm no, 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 you're right. But, no, you're right. But I think, yeah, you know, you've got to try and keep hold of that purpose, really. So when the when the report is launched, are you going to do like a sort of press conference? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. PowerPoint yet. presentation? Don't know. No idea. We we're a long way off that. Our collective will <laughs> put ideas on a Google Doc and we'll uh, go through them. Yeah. You drop it online. Yeah, yeah. But not through a dark ad. Yeah, not through a dark ad. No. Lucy, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Cheers. Well, there you go, Lucy Powell. Fascinating talking to her about the lessons Labour needs to learn and, and the appetite of different wings of the party to perhaps learn different lessons. So let's see what the Labour Together report says. You can take part in it, and I've posted the link to it. If you're a Labour member or activist, uh, you can take part in that survey. Uh, you can go to labourtogether.uk or you can click on the link uh, in the show notes to this. Um, so thank you for downloading this first episode of, of 2020. As always, and I know I must be become a nightmare always asking but if you leave a review on itunes it really does help other people find it so that is a a huge favor you could do me so uh, thank you in advance of you all doing that um and just share it and tell people about it and uh, and spread the word in general. And, of course, come and see me on tour. Brexit, uh, Pursued by a Bear, is on... T- it feels like I'm going to every nook and cranny. I'm going to more places than the Labour leadership hustings. Uh, and, um, I, I mean, I haven't done an analysis on, on where these venues are compared to whether Labour won or lost, but... Well, after the results, I suppose it's more likely I'm going to be kicking in some places where Labour might have lost ground. Um, so uh, go to mattford.com slash live uh, for all the dates from the Soho Theatre run right through uh, to places including Nottingham, Cardiff, Sheffield, Glasgow, Shrewsbury, Exeter, Bristol, uh, Gloucester and Edinburgh uh, at mattford.com slash live. And I'll see you soon. ta